0: What's up folks? This is Tony
1: Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them. We turn them over in our minds and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter seven verse twenty eight Daniel writes Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, my countenance changed in me. But I kept the matter in my heart. Now we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it tonight. We're going to talk about how to take full advantage of full advantage of Jesus's sacrifice. Now, good evening. Good to see everybody in the comment section. Uh, let me go say my hellos. Christine Woodall, good to see you. Gwen Cooper and Diana Hardin. I'm glad y'all are here. Connie Barden, Jonathan Exum, good to see you. And not much is brewing on my end. In fact, I. I should have had something brewing, but, oh, incidentally, for those of y'all that know that I was supposed to go get my ring light today, obviously I didn't get it, so I'm still stuck with this little bub. I am going to get it. I've got the funds for it. It's in the budget. Everything's good. I just hadn't had a chance to go get it. Anyway, Missy Malone, we're doing really well up here. We got about 18 inches of snow on the ground. Uh, Good evening, and Terry Purdy, good to see you, Deborah O'Neill. Scott Wall, good evening to you. And Elaine McClung and Vicky McLean. Good to see you. All right. How do we take full advantage of our of Jesus' sacrifice? That's a good question. Y'all, I'm gonna give you the answer first. Live for him. It's my favorite passage of scripture. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You got to leave, live, and look. Leave all the stuff you're not supposed to be doing, all the, all the worldly things. Live soberly, righteously, godly. Sober-minded, that's your inner man. Righteously is upright before your fellow man. Godly, that's in relation to God, that's upward, inward, outward, upward. That's that's the full man. But we're gonna kind of we're gonna kind of expand on that, and that's it. By being obedient to our own salvation, um, yeah. So a lot of times these very very um, good thought-provoking questions can be answered very very simply, but they make for really good discussion, and which leads me to to where I got the question from. I guess I should say from where the question came. Anyway, uh, uh, Robert Leedy, good to see you. All right. Cindy Collie does Digging Deep. Really and truly, I could probably make every one of my podcasts answering the questions that she comes up with in her studies. I really like them. They cause you to dig deep. They really make you think. And I can't remember how this question was worded. So I'm, I'm giving you my interpretation of the question. Basically, I think the question was asking, how do you take full advantage of Jesus' sacrifice? I think the question was worded something to the effect of, how do we in today's time, or how do we today, Christians today, take full advantage of the, the sprinkling of the blood on the cherubim? Again, if, if, I, if I answer this question, if you go in through the Digging Deep study, and I answer this question differently, than uh, Sister Kali answered it, please don't call and tell her, don't, don't, put, don't pit us against one another, these are thought questions and as such are open to interpretation and I'm not privy to the entirety of the context of the lesson to figure out the direction she's going and if we disagree, I promise you, it's not a disagreement about anything that's going to keep either one of us out of heaven, so I just want to give you that caveat. I love these Digging Deep studies. Uh, the, the ladies up here in Canada, they go through them, and they're wonderful, and they really love it, and that's, that's all I'm going to say about that. All right, so how do we take full advantage of Jesus' sacrifice? Well, first off, let's talk about this blood that's sprinkled on the mercy seat. I'm going to call it the mercy seat. I'm going to take my phone. If you've got an iPhone or Android, Android or an iOS device or even a Windows phone, I think for about nine ninety nine US, you can download eSword. It's a really good uh, tool to use. Oh, that's it. Uh, Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And I rather like leaving out the italicized words. Uh, Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole of man. If you want to live the best life you possibly can on this side of eternity, orient yourself towards the highest possible good that you can conceive and live towards that. What is the highest possible good that you can conceive? It's God Almighty. And how do we live towards God Almighty? How do we orient ourselves to live towards God Almighty? You have to be in the body. You have to take advantage, first off, of the blood that was sprinkled on the mercy seat between the cherubim. And you have to have your bodies washed. Well, hold on a second.
0: Let me go read it. Ain't that terrible? As
1: often as I refer to this and as much as I go through the book of Hebrews, I got to... Here it is. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You know that, that that conjures up images to the Hebrews, who were Christians, of the mercy seat, the the Ark of the Covenant, the cherubim facing one another with their wingtips touching not not their shoes, but the tip of the wings, and the high priest going into the holiest of holies, or the most holy, and sprinkling the blood of that um sacrifice that that's that blood of atonement on the mercy seat well that happens in our hearts well why would i say that well first off remember go to our trusty rusty e-sword and
0: let's look up um propitiation p-r-o-p-i-t
1: i-o-n And we're going to look it up in the New Testament. Listen to this. Romans 3.25 Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God.
0: All right, now, 1 John chapter 2.
1: 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. And then 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. Herein is the love of God, is the well, excuse me, herein is the love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now let's go to Ecclesiastes, or not Ecclesiastes. Let's go to Ephesians, chapter three, and I'm going to read you this prayer. I'm going to read from fourteen to twenty-one, and then I'm going to go back and give you our passage of our verse of interest. This is the New King James Version of the Bible. For this reason, I bow my knees, or I bow my knees rather, to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, and may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we ask or think, According to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Where does Christ dwell, Christians? He dwells in our heart. It's by faith. Take action based on what you believe. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How do you know that someone is a spiritual being. You cannot physically see it. You cannot see someone. When somebody comes up out of the water of baptism, they're just wet, as far as you know. How do you know that they're actually a changed person? You have to be able to see the change in their life. You take action based on what you believe. You can't see the change, but their faith, the action they take based on what they believe, is what you can see, that's your evidence of things not seen. Ain't that wonderful? Propitiation means averting the wrath of God by offering a gift. Um, yeah, propitiation is the, is, the, um, is the appeasement of God. It's, it's the appeasement of God's justice. Had the ark vanished by Christ's day, yes. Don't ask me any, any more than that, because I can't, I, I can't remember when they lost track of it. But yeah, I, I don't think it had been in the temple for quite a while by the time Jesus was, was born. All right, now let, let's follow this thread. We've seen in three passages of Scripture where Christ is referred to as the propitiation. This word is a Greek word. Um...
0: Telastrion.
1: but guess what it's also guess what it's also translated as in the book of Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews chapter nine. I'm gonna start reading in verse one. Now remember propitiation, That that word. Jesus is our propitiation, and he dwells in our heart. Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and an earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part, in which was the lampstand and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant, overlaid with all sides with gold, which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded and the tablets of the covenant. And above it, above the ark, sitting on top of the ark, the lid, if you will, were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Now, the cherubim themselves are not the mercy seat. The mercy seat is the flat surface of gold between the cherubim. However, when you use a figure of speech called metonymy, if you say, how do we take advantage of the blood sprinkled on the cherubim? That is a metonym, in my opinion, for the mercy seat. That's why I worded this title of this episode the way I did, about taking, advantage, about taking full advantage of Jesus' sacrifice. How do we take full advantage of the blood sprinkled on the cherubim? Or the mercy seat another way of saying that. That's the only way I could interpret that question.
0: This word here... Um...
1: And above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. This is the word that is translated propitiation in these other passages of Scripture. When you think of Jesus, you think of his blood sprinkling the mercy seat on the, in the holiest of holies. So Jesus, and God is a, is a big fan of mixing metaphor, I suppose. Jesus is the high priest. Jesus is the blood. Jesus is the sacrificial uh, uh, goat of atonement, and he's also the scapegoat. And he's also the mercy seat. How do we take full advantage of that? (laughs) That's awesome. Well, first off, lick your finger and turn right, and let's go back to this verse. Verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. So, talking about mixing metaphor, it's by the blood of Jesus we're able to enter the holiest. By a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, incidentally, which is Jesus, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our heart sprinkled from an evil conscience with our, and our bodies washed with pure water. It's almost as if when we give ourselves over to Jesus, He lives in our heart, Ephesians chapter 3, that beautiful prayer that Paul prayed, and then he is our heart.
0: And the blood is applied to our heart. How do we take full advantage of the blood that is sprinkled on the cherubims? I can only think of one answer. You don't make his sacrifice be in vain. And that's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's go there. Now, I want to lay some groundwork. I want you to think about something. You're going to have to use your imagination with me. You and I are not supposed to be here. If you were to travel back in time and kill my great-great-great-great-grandfather, then I wouldn't exist because that
1: lineage would be broken. Well, what if somebody traveled all the way back in time and killed Adam and Eve before they were able to procreate? You would have effectively killed the entirety of humanity. What did God say would happen to Adam and Eve or to anyone who ate of the the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? The day wherein thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now, I've heard a lot of people say, well, that means that they would begin to die. That means that that was a spiritual death and they would separate. That's not the conception of death that they would have had. Dead is dead, period. You're dead spiritually, you're dead physically. And we're going to show that from a verse in 2 Corinthians 5. Adam sinned in the garden. He was supposed to die the day he sinned. Why didn't he? Well, We can go back to Ephesians chapter 3 and see that the grace was provided before the foundation of the world. Jesus, the second member of the Godhead, in, in, in the Father's mind, was the propitiation before the foundation of the world. So God, who is a perfectly just God, could come to Adam and Eve while they're cowering in fear in shame, covering themselves as best they could figure how, and say, you're going to have some problems. Things have fundamentally changed. But you're not going to die. I am going to take the blood of this animal and from here on out, you're going to be offering sacrifices for your sin and stuff like that. You're going to, you're going to earn your living by the sweat of your brow and the strength of your back. Uh, the earth is going to produce briars and brambles and stuff like that. Uh, to the woman, he said, look, under the man, under your husband, shall be your desire, your desire and he shall rule over thee. You're going, to, you're going to birth children in very much pain. But there is a reprieve to the serpent.
0: There is enmity between thy seed and her
1: seed. And you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to bruise his head. Well, that's the thing. How would Adam and Eve conceive of the idea of death, having never seen death? Do you think they fully understood death? Absolutely. The reason they fully understood death is because the language that Adam and Eve were speaking with God was was given to them by miraculous means. Adam and Eve didn't learn a language. God created Adam out of the dust and immediately spoke to him. And so God knew what death was.
0: And God knew that the, the, the penalty for sin is death. Death of the body. Death of the soul.
1: In fact, we conceptualize our, our essence, our, our existence, as a soul inside of a body we are not let's let's go to let's go to 1st Thessalonians and let's see how god thinks about let's see how god conceptualizes us does god think of our our body as a flesh sack containing a a, a soul god forbid 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 24 23 something like that yeah 23 now this is paul writing but who's inspired Who's inspiring Paul? The Holy Spirit, God. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Well, what's that mean, to be sanctified completely? Well, he, he explains it. And may your whole spirit, bo- or soul, and body be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are a body,
0: a spirit, a soul. When you die, your body, spirit, and soul are existent
1: in the same state in which they died for eternity unless there is some kind of intervention. Adam sinned in the garden and brought death
0: on the world. Physical death.
1: By sin, death entered the world. Well, hold on. I I, I messed up here. Let's go to Romans 5. I I didn't mean to go down this road, but let's see. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to
0: Moses. That's not where I need. Hold on.
1: I can't see. <laughs> Verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death by sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned.
0: Well, is it, is it true that every
1: person is born spiritually dead? Or is it true that every person is born with a death sentence, that they're supposed to be dead, but they're not dead? You see, from the from the time of the garden, every man and woman and child that lives that's ever lived on the face of the earth is not supposed to be here. They are alive because of God's grace that was given and the mercy that was shown. In other words, God bestowed his grace on mankind, on all of humanity through Jesus or through Adam. And subsequent generations were allowed to be born because Adam was allowed to live. But they were born with a death date, every one of them, because that, that's, the, that's the penalty of sin. That's the judgment that came upon all men through Adam. It's not spiritual death that come up. See, if, if it were spiritual death, then, then we would have a problem with Romans. Check this out. Verse 18. Well, excuse me, let, let's go back. Verse 17, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of the righteousness will reign in life through Jesus, or or through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. If it is the case that the death in the garden was only supposed to be spiritual, then we've got a problem with verse 18 and the Calvinist are correct and everybody is born depraved. Everybody is born with original sin. One man's offense, judgment came to all men. So are you telling me that when I was born, I was born under this judgment of this offense? I was, I was born... Under condemnation, spiritual condemnation? And if I would have died as a little baby, I would have suffered that the fate of those who are spiritually condemned? Well, God forbid. That's not how that works. But I was born under a curse. And that's the curse of death. That's the curse that's that's common to all man. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. You can go all the way back to the long ago and say, Thank you, Adam appreciate you or Adam and Eve I suppose you see re- read it like this physical death therefore as through one man's offense judgment came to all men resulting in condemnation the physical death even even through one man's righteous act the free gift came to all men well what free gift it's the gift of life when you have the little precious baby, and you're holding the little baby in your hand, in your hands, uh, I should say. I wouldn't suggest holding your little baby in one hand unless he's real little. You can thank Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ died, and that's why that little baby is able to be born. Now, what's going to happen? Well, that little baby's life is a gift. It's a free gift bestowed upon that little baby. And that little baby is going to grow up. And that little baby is going to sin. And instead of dying a physical death that he's supposed to die, Jesus' blood kicks in. And that little baby, or that little baby, that adult now, is able to obey the gospel and have the guilt of his own
0: sin removed. And even though he's going to die, he's going to be afforded the resurrection, his, he dies spiritually at
1: that sin, and his, his, his spiritually he's made alive. It's this regeneration. That's Titus, Titus 3.5. Let's see these comments here. <clears throat> God and life, not death, are tied together in Scripture. God breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living being. That's it, um, Elaine. You may have a typo there. C e r a i o n. You ask a question. Would you please retype that so I know what you're what you're talking about there? And then Christine, what I'll say. In him was life. God in his bi- God is in the business to give life, Romans eight eleven. Not death. That is such a critical difference to understand. That's it. Yeah, and it, it was so. Physical death passed on all men. That's the condemnation. Every, every man, woman, and child that, that, that ever has been or will be and is in existence is going to die with the exception of those who are alive at the second coming. And they're not going to taste death. And there's, there's been a couple of exceptions of, of people who have been translated up into heaven who have not tasted death. Other than
0: that, that's the condemnation. How can
1: you justify your existence? So can't, let's, say, let's, say, let's say righteous Abel. Righteous Abel is the first, Cain and Abel is, is the first offspring of Adam and Eve. So we're going to focus on Abel because I don't like Cain very much. We're going to focus on Abel. Abel, you're such a God-fearing person. But your parents were supposed to die. How is it that you're alive on earth, breathing air? How can you justify your existence? Well, in this magical scenario, Abel has a copy of these scriptures and he can read. He's oh, well, it's because of this character, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross. And because he died, my daddy didn't have to die. My daddy and mama didn't have to die. So therefore, I was able to be alive.
0: That's my justification. Mom
1: and Daddy sinned, and they were supposed to die. Somebody had to die. But it was Jesus that died. That's why they lived. The, the sacrifice of Jesus is absolutely a substitution sacrifice. But it, he's not there in our place. He's there in the place of Adam, as per Romans chapter 5. Now, how do we take full advantage of the blood that's sprinkled on
0: the cherubim? Because we have this life that's given to us because of the blood that's sprinkled on the cherubim. We were given a chance at life. How do we take full advantage of that? Well, I'm glad you asked. 2 Corinthians, let's read this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm actually,
1: verse 10 is where I'm going to start reading. For we must, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in his body. What is under consideration here is your life physically your physical life, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your, con- in your consciences. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart, for if we seek, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Now, let me skip on down. Yeah, if we, if we are beside ourselves, it is, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have skipped. Or if we are sound of mind, it is for you. Verse 14, this is, this is the passage of interest. For the love of Christ compels us, because we thus judge. Now, this is something that is so it's so logical to the, to the apostles. We thus judge that if one died
0: for all, then all died. When did all die? Because I'm still alive. The
1: entirety of the human race died whenever Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were supposed to die. That's the idea. I, I, I like the way the King James rendered it. We, we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. At one point in time, there was a death sentence. Every, every, the entirety of the human race was supposed to wink out of existence. I, I use this illustration all the time. Remember the book of Isaiah, whenever Isaiah talks about how God sees the beginning from the end. He, he, whenever God looks at humanity, he doesn't see a point in time. He sees Adam or he sees creation and he sees the second coming. And, it, and it's like a switchboard. So picture picture a uh, uh, point A and point B. And, and it creates a circuit, and a billion, billion points of light spring into existence. Each, each point of light represents the soul of every human being that will ever be. God saw that all at once. And almost instantaneously that power grid shut down because sin was introduced. And that that points of light winking out, that's the death. So what did God have to do to remedy that? He had to insert the cross. He had to sprinkle
0: blood on the cherubim. And just like you flipped a switch, it was all brought back to where it's supposed to be
1: with that cross right in the middle. The entirety of lives before the cross looked forward to the cross, and the entirety of lives past the cross look back. That's where this verse in, in, um, in Romans 3, whom God has set forth to be a mercy seat, a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Jesus' blood runs both ways. The blood of the mercy seat, the blood sprinkled on the cherubim, runs to the future and the past from the cross, making people alive, because we thus judge that if Jesus died for all of mankind, then at one point in time, all of mankind was dead. Oh, man, that's an amazing thought. So the question still stands, how do you take full advantage of this blood that was sprinkled on the cherubims, on the mercy seats? Now, there, there's a verse.
0: Let's see. y'all. I can't think of where this verse is in Hebrews. Melchizedek.
1: Let me give you the story. Maybe, maybe one of y'all can help me with this verse. That way I don't have to find it on the fly. <clears throat> Melchizedek is a type of Christ. And Paul is, is or excuse me, the, the Hebrews writer uh, is talking about Jesus and Melchizedek. And he's saying, "Abraham, or rather, the
0: priesthood of Aaron paid
1: tithes to Melchizedek. But Aaron was separated from Melchizedek by hundreds of years. How in the world did Aaron, the tribe of Levi, pay tithes to Melchizedek? Because he was in the loins of his father Abraham, when he paid tithes to Melchizedek. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed to the greater. Melchizedek gave blessing to Abraham. Abraham paid tithe to Melchizedek, and representatively, that means the tribe of Levi and then Aaron, the priesthood, paid tithes to Melchizedek. So the Melchizedekian priesthood is superior to the priesthood of Aaron. Jesus is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. That's in the book of Hebrews. So we have an understanding of this concept. At what point in our history, thank you, Hebrews 5, Hebrews 5, 5, and 6. Let me go over there and get it.
0: I bet that's it. So also Christ did not glorify him. You are my son. David. Yeah, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek.
1: Uh, it, it may be seven. I, I'm going to have to look for it, Connie. But if you'll read the book of Hebrews, it's there. That's not exactly what I was talking about. That's a good reference. So, you and me were a, were representatively in the loins of Abraham. Every man, every, every man and woman that would ever exist was in the loins of um, Adam, Adam, sorry, in Adam. We were in the loins of Adam. So if Adam were killed, you and I were, would be killed. In other words, we, Adam wouldn't be alive long enough to produce offspring. God didn't have to kill Adam. God was able to show mercy to Adam and Eve. Because of the grace provided, God could look forward to the cross and say, I'm not going to kill you today because someone is going to take your place. And when you hold that beautiful baby boy in your arms, you think the one who died in, his, in your place because without his death, he wouldn't be able to live. That's the free gift that came on to that came to all mankind. Was our physical life? We thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. When did that happen? That happened whenever Adam and Eve ate ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, yeah, yeah Hebrews seven eleven. I, I'm, I'm I'm not going to go there for time constraint, but I bet you that's it. Now let's go back to Hebrews chapter or or Second Corinthians chapter five. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus. If one died for all, then all died. When? Whenever Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And and, and Paul goes on to build on this in verse 15. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. In other words, you've been given the gift of your physical life.
0: How do you take full advantage of the blood that sprinkled on the cherubim? You sacrifice your life and give it back to the one that gave it.
1: Listen, he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves. While you were in your sins, you were living for self. Sacrifice that old man of sin and give yourself to Jesus. Live for him, live for him who died for them and rose again. Christine Woodall says first death is a curse, second death is a wage, third, the Bible calls death an enemy, fourth death is agony. Five, we can speak of both physical death and a spiritual death, six death occurs two times unbelievers. It's pretty good. So how do you take full advantage of the blood that was sprinkled on the cherubim? The reason you're alive and able to draw breath. The reason you were able to be birthed from your mother's womb is because of the blood that was sprinkled on the cherubim.
0: How do you take full advantage of it? Oh, brethren, there's a verse for that. It's found in the book of Romans. Listen to it. I beseech you, therefore,
1: brethren, By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God.
0: At what, at what
1: point in time did you go from dead in your sins to a sacrifice that was alive? At what point in time did Jesus go from a dead man walking to a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, proving what that good and acceptable perfect will of God is? Jesus died on a cross, and he was buried, and he was raised again. Do you want to be a living sacrifice? Do you want to take full advantage of Jesus' sacrifice? Because you're already taking advantage of the blood that was sprinkled on the cherubim. You're already taking advantage of Jesus' sacrifice just by being alive. But if you want to take full advantage, give that gift back to him. Put that old man of sin to death and become a living sacrifice. And that, my brethren, is how you take full advantage of the blood that was sprinkled on the cherubim, the mercy seat. And then from then on out, that mercy seat, that propitiation, Jesus our Lord and Savior, will live in your heart by faith. And your heart will be sprinkled from an evil conscience. Your body being washed in pure water. Now, that verse in Hebrews 10 is not specifically about baptism. Don't go there to prove baptism. Go there to prove that when you live a life for, for Jesus, you're clean. I, I think of it as, as a, a companion verse to 1 John chapter 3, verse 7. Little children, don't let anybody lie to you. Let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. And that's it. That's how you take full advantage of the blood that's sprinkled on the cherubim. And that's how I would answer that question. And, uh, yeah, we've had some really good comments. I appreciate everybody's comments. Um, Yeah, this is our spiritual duty, that one's obedience in baptism, the act of obedience, which one ceases being a servant of sin and becomes a servant of righteousness, follows the pattern of death, burial, and resurrection, Romans 6, 3, and 4. This is what true obedience means. Yeah, and, and Paul even said it in Romans 6. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you, being then made free from sin. You became the servants of righteousness. Now, I want to end going back to, to Romans chapter 5, verse 18, and talk about this just a little bit more. Your justification of life. Listen. Oh, that's Romans 7. I knew it looked funny. Y'all, I really I should have went and got my light today. I can't see. Therefore, as through one man's offense judgment came to all men resulting in condemnation even through one man's righteous act, that righteous act was the sacrifice that Jesus made on the world's behalf. That through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Now, if you're the the tempter, if you're the accuser, if you're the adversary, and you see Adam and Eve in the garden, huddled in shame, you're sitting over there and it's like, oh yeah, I know, I know this almighty God against whom I've rebelled. He's got no choice because of his justice. I have hung him on the horns of a dilemma. That old fool Satan thought he had won, folks. He didn't count on the scheme of redemption. They've sinned. They're going to have to die now because that's the penalty. His beautiful creation, the crown of his
0: creation, plucked from its head. Could you imagine seeing God
1: leave the garden and saying, You didn't kill Adam and Eve like you were supposed to. You're not just. You are an unjust God. You cannot justify your action. Oh, yes, I can. You just wait a few thousand years. You don't know what's going to happen. I do.
0: You see, I know that from the foundation of the world, I set these people up for success. From the foundation of the world, I planned for this grace and mercy. I have provided the appeasement of my justice. Now, once Jesus
1: dies on that cross and is resurrected, think about what Satan was totally defeated then because now he has nothing with which he can accuse God. He can't look at God and say, you're not just. Oh, yes, I am. All of these people are alive, and I can justify it, because that one that was supposed to die, a perfect man sinned in the garden and was supposed to die, so
0: I I required the death of a perfect man. Well, I provided one, Jesus
1: our life, their life. I'm talking from my perspective now. I don't like it whenever we say, God's plan of salvation is here, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. If you want to talk about God's plan of salvation, you got to go back to the book of Genesis. It is so much more than these five steps. What I have talked about tonight, the answer to the question of how to take full advantage of the blood that's sprinkled on the cherubim, that's God's plan of salvation. That's His scheme of redemption for all mankind. Satan, the accuser, whenever Jesus rose from the dead, he <laughs> threw up his hands, like, "I don't know what else to do." Now everybody that's ever lived, they can justify their being alive, and God can justify His allowing them to live. That's God's scheme of redemption that is how you take full advantage of the blood that was sprinkled on the cherubim you present your body a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto god and you leave ungodliness and worldly lust you live soberly righteously and godly and you look
0: with a wondrous hopeful
1: expectation to the horizon for that great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's all I've got for you tonight, folks. I hope I've said something that's wrinkled your brain some. As always, if you don't agree with something I've said, please don't withdraw fellowship from me. Just
0: think about it. Chew on it some.
1: And if I answered this question different than our sister Collie, please don't pit us against one another, okay? I greatly respect this study of hers and I greatly respect the work that she's doing and it's enhanced the spiritual life of not only my wife, but of these women up here in Canada and countless numbers of women probably around the world. And that's it. That's right. Jesus gave himself for me. Deborah O'Neill says, I learned a lot of new things tonight. Deborah, that makes me happy. Folks, you keep me in your prayers. Scott Walsh says it is only by God's tender mercy that we can offer our lives as a living sacrifice, and we need to take advantage of that. Scott has kind of a humorous uh, typo, <laughs> autocorrect to get you. He, he he writes, and we need to take Ava Dave of that. <laughs> I, I I do some weird auto autocorrect makes me say some weird things. Scott, all right, I have a need, and I'm there's 25 of y'all here. Let me express my need. As you know, I'm involved in a missionary work here in Canada. As it sits right now, the the work is growing. We've doubled the size of the congregation. The things are going good. We're setting pretty good financially. And we need, I need, a third party that can hold us accountable to whom we can send reports. Where if somebody levels an accusation at us, we can send them to that third party. For instance, a congregation with a sound, a sound congregation in the states with an eldership that would oversee this work or oversee me in this work. I'm having trouble finding that. There, there are some of you that have helped this work beyond measure. It, it's and it's not that I'm not asking anybody for money right now. I'm asking you to go through your contact books to think about people that you know, elders that you know, that would take on the responsibility of overseeing this work. I I need I need to be able to report to a third party and, and, and be held accountable. Not that not that I'm doing anything wrong, not that the church here is doing anything wrong, but I want to make sure that I'm doing things scripturally, and I want to make sure that I'm doing things above reproach. So I need your help. I, I, I've, I've, I've contacted several congregations, and they've not been in a position to, to oversee the work. So I'm, I'm kind of reaching out to, to
0: y'all here. Um, just just
1: keep, keep that in your prayers. The work is going wonderfully. It really is. The 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 Lord has blessed us greatly here, and um, I've I've been I've, every three months I kind of do a blog. I'm I'm ready to sit down and do one, but I, I I do not want to get the big book of churches, the compendium of churches, and make a, a a boilerplate letter asking for a congregation to oversee us, and just send it out to a thousand congregations because you never know what you're going to get. So. For those of you that listen, that know me a little bit, that know Jonathan and Eric, you know, there, there's, I feel like there's at least some modicum of a relationship there. Just rack your brain for me. Think about, You know, maybe reach out to somebody on, my, on our behalf. And uh, we, we need somebody to oversee this work. And, and just help us get in contact with somebody. That's all I'm saying. Thank you so much. I really appreciate every one of y'all. I don't say this enough. I feel like I get way more out of this than you do. I'm kind of selfish that way, but if you get half, of, if you get out of it half as much as I do, then then that's a good thing. Uh, this digital Bible study group, y'all are the cream of the crop. I, I try to tell you that often. Uh, there are things that I talk about that the Lord's Church and members of the Lord's Church are facing that y'all might not be able to relate to because y'all are in the Word so much. And anyway. Um, Deborah, have you thought about Todd Clipper? I have actually talked to Todd Clipper, and the Burleson Church of Christ is actually one of our supporters. And um, yeah, so that, that 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 avenue is not closed. Okay, I'll just I'll just put it like that. That avenue is not closed, but um, I, I I don't I don't how do I put this?
0: Whoever oversees the
1: work. I want them to want to do it. I, I don't. How, how, I don't want to compel anybody to do it. And Burleson is in a position where um, th- I think they probably would if I if I pestered them a little bit. But I would rather not have to do that. B- but my conscience is getting to the point where I think I might start having to pester. If that makes any sense. Anyway, that's all I want to say about that. Guys, thank y'all so much. Keep us in your prayers. Thank God for the increase that has been given up here in Riverview. And, uh, yeah, that's all I've got. Uh, God bless y'all. God bless y'all, everyone. Is this a Christmas carol? I'm Tiny Tim. God bless us, everyone. Anyway, God bless y'all. This has been Tony Brewer. And uh, you've been listening to Cogitations, And we'll catch you on the
0: flip side.